Uh, today's passage in the New Testament comes from Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 17, and 34 through 48. Now in Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as it was called. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon at about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. He stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? He answered, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa for a certain Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had left, he called two of his slaves and the devout soldier from the ranks of those who served him, and after telling them everything, he sent them to Joppa. About noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet coming down being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. Now while Peter was greatly puzzled about what to make of the vision that he had seen, suddenly the men sent by Cornelius appeared. They were asking for Simon's house and were standing by the gate. Then Peter began to speak to them, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel of preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses, and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, brother. So Caleb's one of my favorite people because he, he just went on a trip and brought me back a couple of really awesome gifts that I wanted to share. And one is the, the old Irish blessing that uh, we say sometimes in here, uh, which is pretty good. 
but even better than that, he brought me back this picture of uh, Eminem and 50 Cent hanging out uh, together as well, So, which is also kind of like a blessing. Uh, and so uh, I was really excited. So thank you, Caleb. Uh, new part of our liturgy this morning. So uh, yes, this is... Uh, this is such a good text here um, this morning. So did you guys have some good discussion? You saw some things. Let's ask some big questions uh, this morning. Nice hat, Lincoln. That's good. Um, oh man, I like big questions. Um, like uh, big questions, like uh, where is God? You guys ever wondered that? That's a good one. I really like getting Everywhere. that one. Everywhere. Over there, sitting next to between Chan and Where is God? Who is God with? Um, who is with God? These are good questions. Um, I, I love this text this morning. It's it's got to be one of my favorites. Um, and uh, have you have you guys ever been um, evangelized this morning? Anyone here ever been evangelized? It's, yeah, yeah, a few of us. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of a funny thing to think about. Um, I uh, I was evangelized last Friday night a little bit, um, and as it happens, there's there's two groups of people that usually show up at my doorstep in my neighborhood trying to evangelize me, and uh, and it was it was Friday night and it was eight o'clock and we were just getting the kids in bed right, and this is like sacred time for us, okay? This is Friday night. This is sacred ground, and uh, anyone messes with my Friday night, there's gonna be consequences. Anyway, and uh, so I hear a knock at the door. I adjust it down on the couch, like, you know, things I don't get to do. And it was like, knock, knock, knock. I'm like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. I, I really actually thought it was one of you guys. I was like, who's here? And, uh, and anyway, so I opened the door, and I swear, I, I actually thought it was Jehovah, Jehovah's Witnesses because they're all over my neighborhood. But it wasn't this time. That's the first group. It was AT&T. And I swear to you, and it was these two jabroni-looking little dudes, and and I never do this, but because we have the main door, and then we have like the the screen door, and I was just like, I didn't even open the screen door, yeah, no, like I, I'm not that person. I'm like, hey, what's up? Let's hang out. But I was like, I just I just opened the door and I looked at them through my glass door, and I was like. Yeah, I didn't know what to say. It's 8 o'clock. It's dark out, you know, and I'm like, what do you want? And uh, and you could tell they were like, I was just so perturbed. And they were like, they were like, oh, yeah, man, are you Mr. Haynes? Uh, you know, are you with AT&T? And I literally said, I was like, dude, it's 8 o'clock on Friday night. It's, I, I said this, I was like, it's dark out. Like we're, <laughs> like, we're getting our children to bed, you know? And he's like, yeah, it's kind of late, man. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I'm closing the door. <laughs> anyway, I was like, man, they are versus the, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses and the AT&T people. They are coming for you. Uh, anyway, so, but you have to admire their persistency. Or just love them for it. So, uh, you ever find yourself on the end of just good evangelism, uh, right, or, or bad? Um, you know, it's kind of funny to think about. We're talking about missions and missions trips, and, you know, and I, I've taken a few. Uh, I think we were talking about one time I went to uh, D.C. when I was, like, 14, and 
because they need Jesus there. And, uh, and somewhere else we went. I can't remember. It was very impactful in my life. But um, anyway, but it's funny to think about these 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 missions. You know, it's an odd thing sometimes to think about being on the receiving end uh, uh, of of the mission of God. You know what I'm saying? Uh, because often we associate ourselves with sort of the giving end, you know what I'm saying, of the mission of God. That's kind of where we normally place ourselves. Uh, because for many of us, right, God's mission is our mission, right, after all. Uh, and so this is kind of how we tend to, I mean, uh, all across the board, depending on, uh, doesn't matter really what you believe, right? Uh, you know, you, you, it's easy to really tend to think, right, well, uh, God's mission is our mission, right? Uh, and so I, that's why I really love this story in Acts this morning, uh, that it continually uh, persists that God shows no partiality, right? That God appears in the midst of all places uh, and all times, right? And all the way back in the, it starts in Acts 2, right? And so, uh, but we spend a lot of time and energy running under the assumption that that, that God is, is uh, that we are the ones who, who offer God to the other, right? We are the ones with the goods, right? If they could just get whatever we have, then they would be good, right? If, if somehow we could just transfer everything that we know and everything that we have to those people, then, then they would probably be okay, right? Uh, that's kind of how we operate. Or actually, conversely, it can, can go the other way, right? It can become a weapon, uh, right? Like the, our biggest religious weapon is, is saying that, that God is not with that group, uh, that God is not with them. Uh, right, and so it, it turns the other way, and so I see this all the time, right? God is not uh, with AT and T, right? God is with Comcast. Uh, God is not with uh, God is not with the Muslims. God is with us. God is not with the Buddhists. God is with us, right? Uh, God is with us, not those across the border. God is with us. God does not root for Alabama. God is in Tennessee, right? Amen, Kevin. For you, buddy. You'll hear this later. Uh, God is not with uh, the Democrats. God's not with the Republicans. Right? God is not with those on the other side of the wall. God is with those on this side of the wall. Right? God is uh, with us who look, who love, who behave, right? Like we do. Uh, and so this morning, I think we would all do a little good to sit on the rooftop in our hunger and see what the vision of the Lord might have to say to the church this morning uh, that might be sharing with us. And so the story in Acts and the Acts of the Spirit uh, is forever pushing against this idea of boxing in the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, right? And in Acts chapter 2, uh, right, everyone who's gathered there, I'm jumping ahead a couple weeks to Pentecost, everybody gets washed over with the Holy Spirit, right? And it's this really cool moment there. Uh, the Holy Spirit is, is, is all over the place, and he's, he's, he's long there before we ever even get there. Uh, right, and so uh, we talk a lot about mission in the church and being on mission. Right, uh, we don't talk a lot about how when missions goes wrong, you know, uh, mission gone wild or mission gone wrong. Uh, uh, when, when uh, you know, I think when we think about us taking God somewhere, right? Maybe that's mission gone wrong. Uh, right, mission goes wrong when we forget that God's mission is larger. I know this is this is hard to think about, uh, but when God's mission is larger than our mission, right? Could it be that that, that God's mission is is more 
that, that we have maybe a glimpse, right, but that God's mission could be more than we ever thought it, it was uh, this morning. And so I want to jump in the text uh, a little bit uh, this morning and walk through a couple things uh, with you guys if you have it in front of you. And, uh, and so he, he kind of jumps right in. So this is, um, again, we're in Acts for the first time this week. We've been in Matthew uh, for a hot minute. Uh, we are in the narrative lectionary, we're on our way to Pentecost, and we are almost there. Actually, we skipped it, and we're going to come swing back to it. So, um, Anyway, so we're in Acts 10, and it says, uh, now in Caesarea. And so this was, uh, this was Caesarea, like um, Meritia, and it was like northwest of uh, Jerusalem, right? And it's on the coast, and a pilot would have stayed here. Um, this was built by Herod the Great. Um, uh, it's this beautiful, uh, this beautiful place. It's named after Caesar Augustus. Paul is actually later imprisoned here uh, at this place. Uh, and then it goes on to say there's a man named Cornelius who's a centurion. He's like over 100 other guys. And so already in this first verse, there's like, oh, uh, that's the other people, right? This is who God is, is not with, uh, right? Cornelius was one of them. All right, if you're tracking. Uh, by the way, if you didn't realize it, the, the Bible uh, is written uh, by a, a group of people oppressed, uh, a minority group of people oppressed by an empire, right? Like, that's, that's where we're coming from here. And so uh, Cornelius was, was one of them, uh, right? And so um, then you get verse 2. So already in verse 2... Um, uh, Luke is sort of dropping the gauntlet here. The author is already shocking his first century Jewish readers at this point. He says, verse 2, uh, Cornelius was a devout man who feared God. Uh, by the way, when you read this, feared God, this is kind of just like synonymous uh, with worship. He, he worshiped God. He feared God with all his household. And he gave alms. He gave generously to all the people. And he prayed constantly to God. Yeah, somebody should tell this guy he's a Christian, right? Are you with me? Like, uh, uh, he's like uh, this military guy. He's, he's part of the empire. He's over 100 guys. Uh, yeah, no, somebody should let him know. Uh, and so you get this really interesting uh, um, long, long text. I'm not going to walk back to the whole thing, but, uh, you know, Cornelius gets a vision. Uh, there's an angel. Uh, I love him for He stared at him in terror, uh, right? Um, like, like you do when, uh, when uh, God shows up. And, uh, and this is interesting. Uh, the, the Lord said, uh, your prayers and your alms, uh, or the angel said, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial uh, before God. And so uh, he's like, send some people to Joppa. And so uh, find Simon the Tanner. And so they do. And um, let's get down to verse 9. It says, About noon the next day, they were on their journey, and they were approaching the city. And Peter went up on a rooftop to pray. And uh, it says he became hungry, wanted something to eat. Uh, and so you get that sort of familiar text about, um, uh, maybe you first heard this when you were a kid or something, this large sheep coming down. There's all sorts of animals in it. And, uh, yeah, it's just such an interesting text, isn't it? And it happens three times. Um, hmm. Could anyone just go for some Sonic right now? I could really just go for some Sonic. 
You guys, man, summer is upon us. You guys are a little asleep this morning, i got to admit. Because, uh, I don't know about you guys, but, man, some tots sound really good right now. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I think it does. You know, it's actually funny because I've, I've barely consumed much fast food for, like, the last decade of my life. And, uh, so, and I'm looking at my wife when I say And... Uh, you know, we're just, as a family, we're just, like, fairly ethically against fast food. You know, it's, like, bad for your body. It's bad for the, the animals you're eating, obviously. It's, it's bad for the environment. It's usually bad for the employees who have to serve you. You know, and, and uh, you know, but, but, but I have to admit this morning that even after years of barely eating much fast food, like, sometimes, ah, oh man, I could just really go for, like, a cheeseburger. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, and if you ever, there's that, it, I call it the intersection of death. When you're coming down Fessler's and you're sitting at that light, and McDonald's is here, and Burger King is here, and if you have the windows down, you can't help but smell. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a Whopper mixed with, you know, McDonald's fries or something. I don't know. I'm going to come up with a name for it. But you're like, oh. Lord, you know, like, why do you not take this from me, Lord, you know, and, and it's like, so like, every now and then, you're just like, man, I could really go for a coney, right, it's like a chili dog, uh, you know, uh, I, I, you can make faces, but it's a, it's a, it's a real thing, and so, uh, oh, man, OMG, you know, TBH, uh, uh, whatever that, whatever that means, uh, and, uh, so, Peter is here, and he is hungry, right? He's, he's so hungry, he apparently goes into a trance, uh, like you do. And uh, early commentators uh, think he may have been hypoglycemic. We're not sure. Um, but he is, he is so hungry, and what's interesting in the vision is he is invited to eat food he's not supposed to eat, right? And you're like, is this a cruel joke? Is, is God messing with Peter, uh, right? It's like dangling donuts in front of a starving person with celiac, you know? you just It's just really cruel, right? Uh, and so for a good Jew, uh, and Peter was a good Jew, um, even though he was a good disciple of Christ, uh, the sheet is contaminated. And so there's actually, there's actually this long list of animals that, that Peter was not supposed to eat. And if you guys have never dug in this, we did this at Life Group a couple weeks ago. Uh, but this is some good stuff. If you have your Bibles, you can, you can look with me at Leviticus 11. If you don't, you just have to get on for the run. But uh, I wanted to share a little bit about what it means to, to eat kosher. Okay? Because you can't make this stuff up. Uh, and, and so in Leviticus 11, it's just like, Hey, here's all the stuff you can eat, and then mostly stuff you can't eat. And um, and so, and, and by the way, this is uh, for people uh, living in, on the move and uh, in in the desert, uh, and in like you know 2000 uh, or 4000 uh, BC or something, right? Um, it was important to eat a certain way uh, if you wanted to stay alive. Um, and so, uh, anyway. Uh, uh, I'm just going to jump in here. The pig, verse 7, for even though it has uh, divided hoofs and is cleft-footed, you ever notice that about pigs? Uh, It does not chew the cud, so it is unclean for you. Uh, It goes on, uh, 
but anything in the seas or the streams that doesn't have finished scales, uh, right? And everything in the waters that doesn't have finished scales is detestable for you. So no, no lobster. It's a big down. No crawfish. It's huge. It's huge. Uh, and so those on. Uh, and I love this. Verse 13. Uh, These you shall regard as detestable among the birds. Uh, they shall not be eaten. They are an abomination. The, the eagle, the vulture, the osprey, the buzzard, the kite of any kind. I don't know who eats kites. It's weird. <laughs> Every raven of any kind. The ostrich, the nighthawk, the seagull, the hawk of any kind. You know, the, the little owl, the coraman, the gray owl, the water hen, the desert owl. Don't eat owls. Okay. <laughs> the carrion vulture, the stork, the heron of any kind, the hoopoe, and the bat. The bat hurts. Uh, and uh, anyway, uh, it just goes on, right? You're like this. You know, all winged insects that walk upon all fours are detestable to you. Like, it just, it just goes on. I'm turning the page. Uh, verse 29. Uh, these are unclean for you that, that, that swarm among the earth. The weasel, the mouse, the great lizard, according to its kind. The gecko. This is in the Bible. Uh, the land crocodile, the lizard, the sand lizard, the chameleon. Like you just, it just, boom. Like you just can't make this stuff up. And so there's just, there's just, yes. Uh, 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 you know, I feel like this is just a, a little overwhelming. And so for Peter, being a, being a good Jew, he would have had, I mean, he this missed out on the, a lot of bat. What's that? He missed out on a lot he of bat. He missed out on a lot of bat. Everyone says it tastes like chicken. Yeah. Watch out for the guapo. Uh, what's that? Is there anything in Chicken of the chicken cave. Chicken of the cave. <laughs> Farmer Jason says, chicken of the cave. Uh, yes. So good. So uh, as he was a good Jew, he would have had this memorized. Right? Uh, remember, this was a, this was about a, a people who were... Um, were about being distinct from all other nations, um, and so, uh, but it, but it wasn't. If you look in the text in Acts, it wasn't just the animals that the Jews were not supposed to eat. But it says, uh, in it were in the sheep were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. So there were there were all sorts of, of critters in here, not just the ones on this list. But interesting enough, uh, by the time uh, Jesus was walking the earth, and especially by this time when this was uh, when this happened. Uh, early Jewish leaders had already just heaped on lots of extracurricular uh, rules and laws uh, for the people of God. Uh, and so uh, what they had, they had gone to say like, oh yeah, well, the, uh, you, you have heard it said, right? Uh, do not eat the gecko. But I tell you, that's what a rabbi would say, I tell you that you should not eat anything that has touched a gecko. Right, and so they had taken the law and they had put even more on top of this. And so you just imagine uh, Peter, and the sheet is being lowered down, and there's just critters crawling all over one another. Right, uh, everything is unclean uh, in the sheet. Uh, right, but there are all kinds. Everything's in there. Um, and this is actually a really interesting uh, image, by the way. Uh, this whole this whole thing that happens. And if you notice in the Greek, um, depending on if you have other translations in front of you, there's a little ambiguity. Uh, they actually uh, they actually don't know what to call it, the thing that lowers down. And and some some translations are just called 
the thing. And if you notice that in verse 16, it says, and the thing was suddenly taken up to, to heaven. And the only way first century eyes can make sense of it is it says it was like a sheet, uh, which is interesting, being let down uh, at, at four corners. And, um, and so they just call it, it's like a sheet. And so remember when we talk about the four corners, uh, right, we're talking about like all the earth, right? Uh, the four corners of the earth. This is familiar language. Um, but remember, they, they would not have any idea of, of what uh, the earth would have looked like, um, right? It could have had four corners. And I, and I found this sheet this morning just to give you guys a example of what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. And uh, anyway, and so you just imagine, I realize I only have two hands, it's not going to work. Brian, here you go. Uh, and so you imagine like uh, a sheet being let down by its four corners, and if, if you were underneath it, and there's like a whole bunch of animals in here, anybody want to get in? Uh, and, and it would have almost looked like spherical underneath, right? Uh, anyway, it's just kind of it's kind of something uh, to play with because they, they would have had no idea, right, what the what the Earth might have looked like, uh, right, what the, the planet might have looked like. And so you kind of it kind of makes you wonder, like, is God giving Peter like an out of body experience vision of, of like all the Earth, uh, of of every creature of of all kinds? Like, does Peter get to put on? Let's just sort of play with this. Like, does does Peter get to put on like a spacesuit? And like float out and check out the earth, right? Well, you see everything that's in it. Some of you guys are like, he's smoking something. <laughs> just, just think about it. Like, you know, uh, one of my favorite things about images of the earth, uh, and every time I've been in space and I look down, and and there's there's no uh, there's no borders uh, on the planet. You know what I'm saying? There's no lines anywhere. It's like all our Dirt. It's like all our water. It's like all our planet. Uh, there's no. There's no lines. And there's no borders. Right? All creation. And all right, back in the text. So he's. Uh, the Lord says, uh, "Get up, Peter. Kill and eat." And so again, you're like, "What is? What is happening here? Is this a cruel joke, Lord? Uh, you know, uh, Peter. Peter knows the law that the Lord gave, and and it's just confusing, right? Are are geckos safe to eat now? Uh, you know, what about owls? It's ambiguous. And so, uh, is this is this even about food, right? Uh, David and I were having a laugh the other day, and, um, uh, and slight frustration about you know how we learned this when we we're kids, you know, and, and we just learned that oh, this is about food or something, right? And and that's just kind of the it. And and this last Wednesday, I, I actually ended up doing the kids lesson here, and and uh, so we took a blanket. Anthony was here. We took a blanket, and I just had all the kids like throw stuffed animals into the blanket. And, uh, you know, you're trying to create this image, right? And how do you make that connection? Uh, there's, there's, is, it, is this about something more? It, is this about us, like, getting to eat bacon cheeseburgers now? Is that, is that what's going on here? All right. Of course not, right? This is actually about a particular person, Cornelius. This is about a particular people, right? This is about a particular, uh, this is about creation itself, right? It's, it's about openness and freedom, and it's about all things. Uh, verse 34, he says, Peter began to speak to them, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Right? And so this sheet 
becomes for us a holy invitation to talk about God's inclusivity and God's relationship with all people and, and all creation, right? Look at someone this morning and say, holy sheet. Holy sheet. Holy sheet, man. Right? This is about the holy sheet. Right? Uh, there's so much going on here. This is a holy invitation. And so, uh, I think it's interesting. Uh, I think it's interesting. Uh, T-shirt idea, holy sheet. Uh, isn't it interesting that God chooses to, to unite us uh, and, and to use this vision of, of creatures and, and reptiles and birds and, and, and critters, right? That he uses this to talk about how God shows no partiality, uh, right? That the food that we eat, that, that what we consume once again becomes the means by which we discuss everything, uh, right? Uh, that there's this sacredness of everything and we talk about and we're talking about it through what we're eating, uh, you know. So this is very important. It's very important for the, the Jewish people. Even at their time, the, the story they would have really known was in Maccabees, uh, where seven uh, Jewish people lost their lives uh, to the Greek Empire because they refused to eat anything that's unclean. Uh, probably more familiar is the story of Daniel, right, and his homeboys, and, and, and how they uh, told the king, uh, no. We're not going to eat what you eat. You let us eat what is lawful to us, right? And so this is not just some, uh, you know, this is not just some sort of funny conversation. It's not like a diet that you would cheat on sometimes, but this is about your primal relationship with your God uh, here. And so what's going on here? Uh, what is happening? You know, it's, it's, not like, it's not like God was just like a couple thousand years later, like, ah, oh, you know what? I don't think this food thing is working out. This whole food debacle, let's just call it. Yeah, no, let's just, all in, yeah, no. Uh, is, that, is that what's going on? Uh, sometimes I think we think about the New Testament, even, as if it were just like, like God changed his mind about a bunch of stuff, and that's how we got the New Testament, uh, right? Because uh, it is kind of confusing, right? Uh, but I wonder if this is not that, but this is about a story uh, that is continually redemptive. That this is about a story that, that's going somewhere, that's expanding, right? That's about the, the, a God who's in the business of uh, redeeming all things, of, of love and inclusion and expansion. Uh, it says, but Peter said, by no means, Lord, I love this, I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean, uh, right? Literally, um, uh, either uh, unholy or, or some translations say common or defiled, uh, right? Said so the voice said to him again a second time, uh, "What God has made clean, you must not call profane." Right? This happens three times. Peter's like super dense. They're like, "All right, lower the sheet again," you know. Uh, three times. Uh, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. I, I love this because because uh, Peter's like. Oh, no, wait, Lord, I'm not going to do that because you said don't do that. And, and God's like, I'm right here. Uh, you know, like Peter is arguing God with God. Uh, you know, it's just it's a circular thing, right? Peter is just so sure about what he believes and, and the text. And, and he knows the verse in the scripture, right? Uh, he can tell you where it's at, right? 
Uh, and so Peter's belief uh, and Peter's uh, certitude, right, about the whole thing actually gets in the way uh, for him and the new thing the Spirit is trying to lead Peter into here. Uh, certainly, no, Lord, right? But what God makes clean, you must not call dirty, right? What God cleans up is no longer dirty. It is no longer unholy. What God makes holy is holy, right? What God redeems, repurposes, rescues, resurrects. Are you with me? Uh, you must not call, uh, you must not show disdain for. And so God reserves the right, are you with me, to redeem anything he wants to, right? Anything he chooses. And, and he just happens to be in the business of redeeming all creation. And so sometimes I think it's hard to know, isn't it? It's like whether the universe is, is expanding uh, or, or if it's like, or if we're the ones gradually expanding to understand the universe, you know what I'm saying? Uh, maybe maybe it's a little bit of a bit of both. Uh, and so we turn the page in time, and we discover a little bit more about the character of God. We discover a little bit more about the mission of God, right? Because what if God's mission is not our mission, right? Uh, or, or, or what if we just what if we just need to peer a little bit further into the sheet and see what else is going on, right? Because the moment you're certain uh, might be the moment that you're wrong. Uh, and so the sheet lowers and we peer a little further in. Uh, and so um, God, God was with Cornelius before Peter ever even got there, right? And so you got to love it because the Bible, the Bible is... is is a book of, of story after story about the expansion of human consciousness. Are you with me? Uh, it's, it's about the divine connecting with humanity, uh, right, and us stepping forward uh, into something new, right, and something else. Uh, something new is going on here. And so you see that the law, God's activity... Uh, the acts, right? I love this. This is like why it's called the acts. The acts of God uh, have never been about a bunch of rules, uh, a, a bunch of laws to to prohibit someone from coming in, right? Or 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 say that that you go there and you go there and you go there, right? That was that's never been the, the purpose. Uh, the, the the purpose of the whole thing is, is that all creation can find itself living better and living holier and living healthier and that we're going somewhere, right? And that, that we're to become more generous, uh, that, that, that our, our love is supposed to be in abundance. And so I wonder today, wrapping this whole thing up, I, I wonder today if, if God doesn't come to us as he did to Peter, uh, then confronting us in the ways that we've used the word <coughs> he gave us become more life-giving if we've taken that word to use it to ostracize the other. To keep others uh, out and other parts of creation outside of the scope of God's plan this morning. And so I have to ask you this morning. I have to ask us. Who are the folks? Right? Where are the people? Um, on the other side of the borders or the party lines or sitting in 
particular offices, right, or speaking different languages, or having different cultural ideas, or voting differently than you, or eating differently than you, or just maybe just looking differently uh, than you this morning. Um, could it could it be that they're in the sheet this morning? Uh, could the blanket of God's love cover them as well this morning? Uh, you notice in the end, it's not. It wasn't uh, the, through the power of Peter's sermon, right, that that brought people into fellowship with the, with God. But it was actually the work and the acts of the Holy Spirit, uh, right? God had already found her way into Cornelius' life, right? Peter was just helping him connect the dots. Peter becomes his baptismal vessel, right? And if you know, the more the people of God seem to be getting together in Acts, the more the Holy Spirit seems to be showing up. Uh, it's really cool. And so, but here in Acts 10, um, it was Cornelius who I would say might be the missionary uh, to Peter, right? We think about it the other way around. We always talk about we always talk about being missionaries to the world. Um, but I but I wonder this morning. I wonder if a key part of being a missionary is the openness. To being missionized. I wonder if a key part of all of this is, is that that we ourselves become open to being missionized. That that we never fully close the book. Uh, right. I think we make a mistake when we read this passage as if Cornelius is just receiving from Peter because Peter receives just as much from Cornelius, right? Who, who is God present with uh, <coughs> that you didn't see coming? Right. What are the questions this morning uh, that God might be awakening in your in your heart? Who, who is God with? Where is God? Who is with God? Right. Uh, can you know and accept this morning that the ark of God's love and, and justice and grace is uh, perhaps larger than your own? And, and what does that mean for our lives? And, and and where we're all going, right? The, 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 the sheet has hit the fan this morning, uh, and, and it's still being lowered down. Uh, and we're still getting to like get on our tiptoes and, and look a little bit further in uh, this morning. And so, uh, yeah, I, I don't think, and I've said this before, I don't think it's ever been our role to, to be gatekeepers as the people of God, but just to continue to love uh, and so, uh, last thing here I, I notice in the text um, uh, is that Peter, at the moment, he is pondering what all this means. He's like, what does this mean? It's the very moment that these guys show up on his doorstep. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. And it really makes you wonder this morning. Who are the people? Where are the homes that you might need to step into? Whose hands uh, might you be invited to shake? Where are the places that you need to go? Uh, this is all really good for us to just sit and think about a lot. We feel good the more we think about it. Uh, but I wonder if there's somewhere and there's someone's home and there's, there's a certain place and there's some people that are like, hey, uh, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm here. And I think you're supposed to come with us. 
It's like the opposite of what you're told to do with a child. <laughs> Don't take candy from them. But you can go. Let's pray this morning. Lord God, uh, your word and uh, your message continues to baffle us, God, because you are ultimately uh, a mystery that is being made known. Lord, and where would we be without your incarnation? That you come to us uh, in a body and in flesh, and you say, follow me, <coughs> and that you invite us uh, to see and to touch <coughs> and to be present with you, God. Uh, that we would be a people who pray, that we would be a people who give, God, that we would be a people who worship you, Lord. And could it just be that uh, that there's more folks out there uh, than we realize, uh, Lord, in your tribe? Lord, help us to, to be weary of closing doors and closing conversations. Lord, may it be a flag for us the moment we ever think uh, that we have all of you to offer someone else who does not. And so this morning we crave uh, the more embodied, full uh, vision and mission and, and, and body of God uh, to be among us this morning. And so we give you thanks uh, this morning for your word, for these children marching in this room right now, and uh, that we can go from this place. Uh, a little bit more like you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, we'll do it in August. Okay. Okay. You want your own special? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Um, yes. But for all the for all the yeah, you come on up for all the work for all the work and preparation that these women have done to prepare for the work that God has called them to, um, we want to pray this blessing. So I know there's a lot of people in this room, but if you guys want to stand up here, I'm gonna close you to the chairs. And if anyone wants to come in a little bit and put a hand on them as we pray, then I would invite you to do that. God, with hearts full of gratitude, we pray. You have called us into being through love. You have joined us to one another in love. How good and pleasant it is when your people dwell together in unity. Shine your light upon your people that we can see the glory of eternal life. Grant these women the strength to carry your blessing from this place to the next. May they be at home in any land, for all the earth is yours. And with their hopes set on your coming glory in the world, live also as aliens in all lands. May the lamp of your word guide their feet on the unsure paths of life. Our lives are but a breath, but our breaths are drawn from your divine spirit. 
You have created us to you have created us as walking paradoxes, specks of dust, and divine image bearers. We are constantly restless until we rest in you. Grant these women a deeper fullness of being and spirit. May their face be fuller in glory and joy, now bearing new shape as our faces transform and supplement one another. Go in the peace of Christ to love and to serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you.